You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 103. Today is Thursday, June 8th, and we're here to talk about pitch mix changers. It's always a fun episode, uh, you know, really looking under the hood at some small tweaks, maybe a pitch that's been upgraded or a pitch mix that looks a little bit different on the line chart to assess whether or not we think some recent success is legit or if we're not really buying it. But very happy to have you guys with us here. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified and Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, kind of midway through the season here. I think it's a great time for this episode because be totally honest Steve looking at the waiver wire and the recently added and all that stuff and unless you were quick draw McGraw on like a Ellie Ellie De La Cruz unless he was stashed or uh you know some other guys that have kind of broke onto the scene it's not really the best time of year for like the waiver wire pickups it's a lot of guys who have kind of been recycled and everything so I think this is a good episode to, to kind of see who's doing things differently and could be trade targets it could be ads uh looking forward to it man how's it going yeah it's the time of the year where you go to the waiver wire you sort by like last seven then you bump it out to the last 14 then you bump it out to the last 30 and like you sort it all these different ways and total you, roster ship percentage yeah, exactly. like yeah. that most added you do everything that you do to, that you can to make the waiver wire look interesting um, and then you like refresh the page and then come back and do the same thing a half hour later. Um, not that that's what I do or anything. But. Yeah, wait, the top ad is Ronzi Contreras and his 189 yeah. ERA. Yeah. That's how exciting yeah. for us all. Exactly, Gosh. exactly. But uh, yeah, celebrating LA Day, De La Cruz Day over here. Um, even though there's, you look outside, it looks apocalyptic in the New York area with all the smoke from the, the saw that man the, the wildfires in Canada it's pretty crazy um, but I'm glad you brought up Ellie real quick because I know this is a pitching episode but I you know obviously I, I think Ellie's probably one of the best fantasy prospects maybe at least since O'Neill Cruz probably better than O'Neill Cruz but mm-hmm. you know, going back to Tati Sacuna. And I threw like the slightest bit of cold water on it in the Discord, just like, you know, maybe, you know, there might be a little bit of struggles and like everyone was yelling about me about how these are like the best raw to raw tools ever. And yes, it's true. And I believe it. I threw out a poll in the Pitcherless Discord and I'm curious to your response. Rest of the season, non-redraft or redraft. So just this year, no keeper uh-huh. implications. Who would you rather have, Ellie De La Cruz or Luis Robert? Ooh, that's a good one. I thought you were going to throw short stops at me because I feel like that's been the trend. Is like, does he rank top five, top eight? Like, where is that? Uh, Luis more Robert, of a, more I of mean, a simmer skills, you know, power, speed. Um, yeah, bad plate discipline sort of exactly. potentially. Yeah, uh, that's a really good one. Um, where Robert is hitting third, that offense is like perennially a dumpster fire. I think um, it's a tough call, man. I, you know, I think overall I actually might 
lean Ellie De La Cruz with the hitting with the ballpark environment. I can't believe I'm saying that out loud though, because yeah, Robert to date, 13 homers, 12 steals. 820 OPS. He's kind of cooled off. I mean, they're almost a coin flip in terms of like the skill set. I think that's the perfect comp. But I think the Reds are kind of on to something, man. Between McLean, uh, just the fact that they're actually like Abbott, we got the good vibes. If CES gets called up, that's going to be a boost as well. India's kind of coming around. So I don't know. Uh, I think it's. I think most people would not trade Luis Robert for Ellie De La Cruz, but I think me personally, I think I like Ellie on, on production the rest of the way. Yeah, it was it was a blowout in the pitcherless discord. It was like 5-1 um, in favor of Ellie De La Cruz. Oh, wow. I know it's probably not fair because he's tearing the cover off the ball literally right now. And the prospect hype, you know, if you, you give it a week and he has a cold game or two, despite what people think that that might never happen. Um. Yeah, I I I totally can see it. I I wouldn't disagree. I then threw out another poll, and I guess for now it's the same position: uh, Ellie De La Cruz or Marcus Simeon. And conveniently, since this one's definitely tougher, and you probably would have a different answer, conveniently, all the people that voted for Ellie De La Cruz on the Luis Robert poll did not participate in the, uh, in the, in the poll right after that on market seeming one where it's a bit harder and you probably have to choose against the shiny new toy. Uh-huh. But, um, where would you go in, in, in that route? Simeon or Simeon for or, sure. I think Ellie de la Cruz yeah. has a shot at more home runs and stolen bases combined than Simeon. But I just can't argue with that. The, the way that offense has been, and Simeon batting leadoff, like the guy's on pace for like 150 runs scored, and the RBIs are right next to it too. So yeah, I, I'm I'm there with Simeon, and he's still he's hitting 304. And I believe without having it right in front of me, I feel like the K rate has improved this year for Simeon because um, he's usually up high. Yeah, so this year just a 14 percent strikeout rate, and I feel like I've always had him pegged as like a 20 plus guy uh it was better last year as well but yeah i like simeon for sure on that one yeah it's just funny how uh no one no everyone abstained from that one but uh, on the robert one uh yeah uh the hype was the hype was there clearly yeah but yeah it's exciting he is you know i think my initial pushback was like they were like oh his tools are way better than o'neill cruz yeah and way better is a bit of a stretch. That That's all my point was. And everyone was like, oh, you have to account for age level. Yes, he was two years lo- younger. But, like, these guys are still, like, the freak of freaks. Like, right. If his tools are better, they're slightly better. Yeah, you can't Not have way, way, way better. You can't have yeah. way, way better tools than O'Neill yeah. Cruz. He, like, breaks everything. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, yeah. And, like, we were doing this with Cruz when he had, a, like, a home run in his first start last year. Like. Yeah, it's so uh, like I like the guy. I like the guy. I really do. He's an amazing prospect. I would want him everywhere. I re- but like, I respect you taking the contrarian yeah, yeah. approach. A little, that. just a little bit, a little like the slightest bit of cold water when a guy like this comes up, especially when he has a hard start, hot start, uh-huh. and is a stack cast darling. You get, uh, you know, uh, the the Simpsons gif with uh, all the pitchforks and, and fire. Uh, yeah. You know, 
uh, coming at you. It's like I, I, I'm saying I like the guy. Just you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, you got to be careful, Steve. Then you're going to be yeah. pegged as the L.A. De La Cruz hater for the rest of his career, man. I already am. Alex is pinging me in Discord every time De La Cruz basically <laughs> does anything. takes a step. So uh, yeah, I got I got a mo- I got a moderator who's supposed to you know keep the peace chirping at me and yeah harassing me in the yeah. Discord every. Uh, Every five minutes. No, he's he's must watch, uh, and he, you know, you can always tell because those are the guys that like you're you're go if you if you missed it if you weren't watching you're going out and searching it, and if you did a rundown full of pictures you're leading off the show with Ellie De La Cruz, which is what we're doing. Yeah, well, if the, yeah. he's worth it. He's yeah. worth it. It's worth exciting it. and good for the Reds, even from an NL Central Cards fan. It's it's good for them to have some real excitement. It feels yeah. feels like them and the good, Pirates. Good. Yeah, turning around. Good luck catching them. Yeah. Uh, I know, man. Well, it's a topic for another day. <laughs> Speaking of the Cardinals, our first pitcher that we're going to break down here. And let's, Steve, we could probably, you know, let's briefly get your thoughts on, on the pitch mix changing. It's something that's kind of hard to search for. Within, within like, Savant, you can adjust the sliders on these line charts to just look at this season and then you can sort it by game or by month. So it's kind of easy when you're looking at a guy to see the pitch mix evolve over the year or from year to year but in general it's kind of something that's harder at least to my knowledge to pull in mass quantities so to come up with something like this you know that there's like a combination of tactics for one i i think it's it's kind of rudimentary but you can just literally search like pitch mix or you know new slider things like that on twitter and just kind of cherry pick um we've mentioned him before i know he's kind of known around the industry but one of the best Twitter follows for this type of deep dive stuff is Lance Brozdowski. You guys got to be following this guy at Lance Broz, B-R-O-Z. But he does these great kind of nightly polls where, you know, he talks about kind of a pitch arm angle changing or if a slider looks way different. So, you know, those are a couple techniques, but we also kind of reverse engineer it as well, Steve, by looking at success uh, of recent pitchers so just talk to me real quick on on kind of process of how we go about this uh and then we can jump in to the to the names including john gray spoiler alert who is dealing against the the cardinals we were just talking about tonight uh yeah that was actually the first thing i was going to talk about was just how to look at it on baseball savant um just going to a pitcher's page you know you have like the picture the slider the pitch distribution um and then stats and stack cast stats and then the actual pitch mix with like heat maps and then right under that is like the first graph on the page and with that graph you can do a lot of cool things um there's different you know um x axes and y axes that you could um mess around with um, but it defaults to pitch mix changes but i think it defaults or pitch mix um so like pitch percentage but I think it defaults to you know uh, their their career, like so a yearly uh, pitch mix change. But what you want to do for something like this is to the the third drop down in, you could click month, and then the last drop down all the way to the right, you would click on just this year if you want to look at just this year. I know uh, Savant is a great tool, but sometimes not the most intuitive. So that's actually how you do it. Um, as far as you know the the topic itself, I think we. We've sort of reverse engineered by like looking at K minus BB leaderboard differences and then seeing who's taken steps forward in that. And then if there was, a, you know, going to the response page and seeing if there was um, a pitch mix change um, 
that that led to the success we kind of you know reverse engineered by just talking about guys that we have know have pitch mix changed um another guy who always shouts them out on um on twitter and does a great job highlighting them is is mike curland yeah. we've talked about him on the show a bunch before um he's been talking about griffin canning i believe a bunch who we'll get to on the show as well um with his pitch mix change so um yeah i mean you could you could honestly just type it into twitter too and, and you know search pitch mix change and sort by like top or recent and it, it'll come up with some interesting names so um yeah it's always a nice way to validate results right like if a guy has a month where he's made big improvements in his surface stats like if there's a pitch mix change behind it it makes it a lot more believable um to that 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 success is sustainable right like you know saris with stuff plus and all that great work he does the thing that he says is the number one way to improve your stuff plus is to change your mix pitch mix um if you throw your better pitch more it 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 improves your stuff which is uh you know kind of obvious but sometimes not as easy to do or or doesn't happen as often as you did think so when a player starts throwing their their better pitch more um you're they should have your attention yeah and and good good background i mean you mentioned looking at like the past month and and some of these guys have had more success than others recently some of them are a little bit more you know kind of squint and see if uh this could be something on the horizon but good mix and we got to start with again john gray who's kind of been the poster boy there, there might be another one or two out there this season but with his change up i can't not change up poor choice of words with his switch to the gyro slider from kind of the sweeper he started out this season, for people who drafted John Gray, I was one of them. I drafted him, I dropped him, and then when I heard about the slider tweak, I jumped back in, and I'm glad that I did because it's hard to believe it was just May 9th uh, because he's had, uh, I think, six starts since then, but not one of those starts has he given up more than one earned run and he is now at pretty much a strikeout per inning across those like 38 innings. Uh, on 5x5 five five league rank settings, in the past month, John Gray is the number one pitcher. Um, and part of that's because he's gone 5-0. and oh. Again, he's going against the Cardinals tonight as we record this. Six innings, seven strikeouts. I think he's still throwing. No earned runs, a .33 whip. Uh, John Gray, 86% rostered. He's basically must add in all leagues, in my opinion. But uh, what's going on here is all about that that slider. And yes, there's been some uh, underlying metrics. I've seen some people point out, like his strand rate is really inflated. He's going to come back a little bit. However, uh, in that time, he's got a sub one ERA, a .71 WHIP, which is probably going to look even better after the Cardinals tonight. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, Steve. I know we've talked about him on recent shows. I feel like you're a little bit uh, cooler, like Ellie De La Cruz, on John Gray. <laughs> uh, I'm just curious, man. Like, how long does he keep doing this before, you know, he skyrockets up the list and you know you're going to get volume with him? Health is a little bit of a question, but... You know, guys like Nick Pollock loved him last year, and it seems like now he's really putting it all together. 
and I'm just wondering at what point Gray becomes in the real discussion for like an SP2-3. Right now he's 42nd on the list for Nick Pollock. Uh, your thoughts on John Gray and uh, what he's done with the new slider here? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I'm a bit hesitant because you kind of look at the line. You see just a 20% strikeout rate. You see an 8.7% walk rate, and it's that doesn't jump off the page. Or sorry, 7.9% walk rate. I don't want to give him uh, less credit than he deserves already. So th- those numbers don't really jump off the page. Like you know, xERA for all its flaws, uh, you know, 493. Um, so you kind of would glance over and say, hey, this guy's getting pretty lucky. But I think that doesn't tell the whole story, and when you look at something like pitch mix change, you're kind of, you know, you, you get more of the picture that, that, that you could see um, that would tell you, hey, like there's more to meet the eye here um, than just uh, a guy who, who's overperforming his, his underlying metrics. Like, right, he's starting to throw that, pit, that slider more um, since May 8th. Um, it's the 15th bet slider by Stuff Plus um, overall in the big leagues, 120 Stuff Plus, so really, really good. And, like, you would look at the, the rest of the, the Stuff Plus numbers, and it's not that great. It's a 95 Stuff Plus overall. But, again, like, you're counting that first month where he wasn't that good um, and his K rate was down, and, you know, he, he's essentially a new pitcher since since that change, right? Like there was a, a run from April 9th to um, May 2nd where he struck out literally two batters every game. Mm-hmm. And then since then, since that May 8th started the Mariners, it's 8, 5, 6, 8, 5, 5 already tonight. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it's a different pitcher. And, you know, this, I, I don't have the monthly splits in front of me, but the K percentage has definitely gone way up. And those numbers that you would kind of scoff at at first are being held down by a, a, a month where he was a different pitcher. Like he didn't throw these pitches that he's throwing now in April. So it's totally different. And you kind of have to just look at what he's done since then. Um, not saying that that needs to be completely thrown out. It's probably somewhere in the middle. But mm-hmm. I think it's better than the four the start, starter overall. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, I, the May splits in front of me, the 23% strikeout rate in May, uh, maybe more than anything is the walk rate. He's cut in half from, uh, you know, what was 8 or 9 down to 4.8% walk rate in May. So that's good. But uh, to, I guess, play devil's advocate here, during that time, the left on base rate was 94.5%, and the BABIP was a 235. So, uh, you know, it's possible that, you could sell high and it would have to be high. Uh, but I think you could get that. I mean, he just struck out another batter against the Cardinals. He na- seven, now it's seven eight, strikeouts up to yeah. eight. Up eight. There so, you, go. you know, this, if you're not, if you're a little scared of either the health or wondering if this is really going to come back down to earth, I think gray would be a terrific trade piece to where, yeah, you can't argue with what now seven starts in a row where he's looked uh, more or less, like one of the most dominant pitchers in the league. I know it's not quite as many, you know, there's not double-digit strikeouts or anything like that, but, yeah, the ratios have been incredible, and the Rangers are obviously going to give the run support for plenty of wins for John Gray. So 
really good one and had to start out with him. But the other ones are names that we haven't talked about quite as much on the show so far this season. So we'll keep it moving. And the next one is Mitch Keller, Steve. Uh, gotta say, no shares this year. I feel like uh, on the lessons learned where we talk about don't let uh, past burns keep you away from going back in on somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think I've fallen victim to that with Mitch Keller because I kind of glossed over him. Uh, but it's Same. it's been great in terms of the season line. 80 innings, 94 strikeouts, a 7-2 and record with the surprising Pirates, and a 3.60 ERA with a 116 whip. Past month, he's actually gotten a, even more strikeouts in that time. And I think part of just the, the pitch mix on the year that jumps out is that he's brought back the cutter, which he had several years back but moved away from it. And not only has he reintroduced it, but he now throws it 23% of the time. So looking at that pitch itself isn't all that exciting. The The results are a little middling. However, uh, the four-seamer has really been unlocked since that, where last year the four-seamer gave up a, a 270 batting average against. This year it's been at 190. And yeah, it looks good under the hood. I mean, uh, the the PLV data on PitcherList really likes Mitch Keller. They got his PLA, PLA, which is pretty much the ERA indicator, at a 305. Um, so yeah, some... Really interesting stuff for Mitch Keller. I know that he's kind of struggled in his most recent starts. Uh, the past, I think, three, he's got a pretty inflated ERA with a 7.79 ERA, a 1.85 whip. So uh, people might be a little bit yeah. worried right now. And I guess, it, yeah, do we do we think that that's just a blip on the radar, or do we do we like what we're seeing from Mitch Keller this year? It was at Seattle, at San Francisco, and then home versus Oakland. Where he gave up six, four, and then five earned runs. So they're soft opponents um, too. Yeah, yeah, they're soft opponents. Uh, there might be a buying opportunity here, and I think that um, you you should still jump in. In the in the Mariners and Giants game, he struck out sixteen batters and walked three. So um, a bit unlucky there. He did give up two home runs to the Mariners, but. Um, you know, yeah, the Oakland start was disappointing. You want any pitcher really to deal versus the A's, uh, I guess, unless your name is Ronzi Contreras. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I like I like Ronzi too, long term, and have been in on him. And maybe that's a, a a lesson learned for Mitch Keller down the road, right? Not to uh, completely write him off after this this tough year. Um. You know, it takes time for, for pitchers. Look how long it took it took Keller. So, um, yeah, I, I think that this is a, a great buying opportunity, if any, if anything, right? Like, he's still doing what you want to do. Like, the, the sinker um, has been used more. The cutter has been moved a little less in June. Um, it was at 23% in, in May um, in, in, in June, start, even though I think it's it was, what, uh, one or two June starts. I'm trying to pull that up here. Um, now, if it's one, it's that's kind of just noise, right? I mm-hmm. think it's been two. I think it's I think it's been two though. Ah, uh, no, the last start was um on the thirty first on the yeah. on the thirty first. So you know who you, you can't, uh, as much as that is important. Uh, you know maybe he just didn't have a feel for the cut 
the cutter that day and, and went more sinker and forcing fastballs or, or that was the game plan versus Oakland for whatever reason. Um, and it didn't work. So, um, if anything, I, I think that this is a, a great buying opportunity. I, I'm, I'm all in on what Mitch Keller is doing this year. Um, it's essentially one bad start. I know three by results, but, uh, process, uh, only one so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, He's a guy who has had some of those jaw-dropping games. He had 13 strikeouts in seven innings at Baltimore. Uh, I was at that game. You were there. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's on this year, I mean, that's he also struck out 10 Dodgers. I don't know if you were at that game, but the no, no. The, the, the outlook for, for Keller, I think, is going to be better. The, mo, for the most part, the whiffs have been there. And, yeah, with these three all coming at once, it might be – uh, some some managers who are ready to kind of jump ship and yeah I think I think Keller I mean reading deeper onto those last three starts uh, again that Lance Brozdowski had, had talked about how a lot of it was kind of location based where it was fastballs over the middle of the plate um, and location is something that hopefully uh, you know it's not like he's losing velocity or anything like that so hopefully he can just keep rolling with the you know the high strikeout numbers good ratios and he gets the Mets next uh so that one is in Pittsburgh which should help as well so that's Mitch Keller I I think uh we like it and that one's probably uh kind of a mini buy low where John Gray might be a, a mini buy high or sell high so um yeah moving right on to Mike Clevenger so Clevenger is another guy that we talked about a, a few shows back, Steve, and I know that um, in terms of the strikeouts, it quite, hasn't quite been there this season under a strikeout per inning. Uh, the season line looks kind of meh, 52 and a third, 46 Ks, uh, 413 ERA and a 139 whip. But in the past month, uh, that ERA and whip is 265 with a 112 whip. Uh, so Clevenger... We talked about it and said we would kind of keep an eye on it, and it's been good in terms of run prevention. It's just the Ks haven't been there as much. Uh, that said, you know, last outing he had five strikeouts and in six innings, so it's close. And and tomorrow he gets, or as the listeners are tuning in, he gets the Yankees without Judge, so that will be a good one to watch. But in terms of pitch mix, uh, Clevenger has really dropped the fastball use this season. Uh, it was at 57% in April, dropped down to 47% in May, and then in the one start he's had in June, down to 34%. So really decreasing the use there. Uh, and it all made room for his slider and his cutter that have kind of a better whiff rate, as you'd expect, and the slider especially. So uh, the fastball is where he's tends to give up a lot of damage. And I think when you look at all of this, for a guy who's had success in the past— Again, this one is more of a, a waiver wire one at nineteen percent rostered. What do we think on Clevenger? Are we still speculative, or do we think there's opportunity here? I think that maybe I would consider him as a streamer now. Um, when Clevenger was like a fantasy ace, he was throwing ninety five, ninety six, and had those amazing breaking balls. Um, and, and ever since that injury, he just hasn't been the same. He's better this year he's sitting 94 whereas last year he was at like 93 um i don't think there's anything here long term i just think that now 
he is a viable streamer in the best matchups where, you know, like this past month when he's faced the Tigers, Guardians, and Royals and put up that 265 ERA. So, um, yeah, there's a better process there too. And, you know, maybe you could, it, it's not like his home bar, ballpark is, is something that you could take advantage of either. Um, you know, so, so like a, a tougher matchup at home doesn't do you any good or anything like that. So, um, yeah, in, in deep leagues, yes, he's now raw serval. Um, in more shallower leagues, I would still consider him more of a streamer. Like, okay, yeah. the, the strikeouts just aren't there. Like, even in his better strikeouts games, it's it's six or five. Um, you know, versus the Tigers and and the and the and the Guardians, like that's not great. Two strikeouts versus the Royals too. It's like, uh, you know, uh, that was as horrible as a quality start you can get six innings three runs two strikeouts two walks like you know he uh-huh. just got by on that one which is fine if you're looking for like a win and a quality start but um anything more than that i, I think you can kind of uh, do better elsewhere okay well yeah one to watch let's see what he does with the yankees he did he had a brief il stint and uh in in between his last start may mm-hmm. 17th yes. and his most recent one june 2nd and he did have uh, a 40-plus percent CSW on the four-seamer mm-hmm. in his slider in his last one. So, yeah, just uh, monitor and watch a list if you're really looking for some deep help on pitching. Uh, we've got another set of three pitchers coming up in our next segment. But first, we're going to take an ad break, and we'll be right back. Okay, so Steve, you kind of teased out the Mike Curlin tweet with Griffin Canning. Mm-hmm. And he's another one that uh, is kind of a pitch mix tinkerer, and we've always loved Canning. I think mm-hmm. uh, this was a guy I was stashing before he even got called up because you heard so many great things about the slider. Um, and now he's, uh, yeah, it, it's looked okay. 48 and a third innings, 43 strikeouts, which is underwhelming for what you expect for Canning. A 447 ERA and a 124 whip. However, in his past two starts, over 12 innings, he has 13 strikeouts, a 3 ERA, and a .92 whip. So looking much better. And he's throwing that slider a lot more than he ever has in his career at 32% usage. Uh, The whiff rate right now on that is 32%, which is right around uh, league average for a slider. However, uh, I think there's some reason to be a little optimistic about that slider because the velo is up, the spin rate is up and it's been a really good pitch in the past. So I'm wondering if he's just getting comfortable with kind of throwing it harder and we might see a, another step forward for canning. Uh, but yeah, the pitch itself has a, a 200 XBA against it. So it's effective and he's using it as a primary pitch, which again can be a little scary when a, a guy doesn't have, uh, a, a reliable fastball and, and that's what's kind of making way for the slider but overall I think at this stage of the season Canning's a nice little uh, you know round out the rotation type of guy who could actually take a, a nice step forward with that offense behind him as well minimum 40 innings pitched um, Griffin Kenny is ninth on stuff plus slider um, around guys like Hunter Green Shohei Otani Garrett Cole um Otani and Cole are, are, are higher. They're at you know 138 and 142 stuff plus, respectively. Um, 
Canning's at nine at one twenty eight, but that's Justin Steele, John Gray, George Kirby. Like he's in, it, it's a great pitch, and the fact that he's throwing it more is even more impressive. Um, I really, really like Canning and think that he is worth an add in in most leagues. I think he could be more than a streamer if he keeps up this pitch mix change. Like right, he's he's always had the stuff. It's been health and sort of a pitch mix issue. Um, one way or the other with him. And now that he's finally doing the thing and, and throwing that slider more, the fastball less, he mixes in that the change up in the slider, a change up in the curveball, um, change ups at 22% curveballs at 13%. So there's a lot to like here. Like Canning's always had the tools. It's just a matter of staying healthy and putting it together. And I think he might be. Yeah, one other thing to note on Canning is, you know, what you don't see with those numbers, he's actually had a pretty tough schedule as well. He was at the Astros on his last start and held him to just one run. Um, You know, a couple games before that, he had the Red Sox when they were, you know, playing well. Uh, At Baltimore, he had another game against the Astros where he kind of got lit up. It's really been his worst start of the season, so... Yeah, he gets the Mariners this weekend, and that would be a really nice stream. He's pretty widely available, just 12% rostered. Uh, so that could be a, a situation where you kind of stream for the matchup and see if uh, it you know takes an, another step forward in the coming weeks. But yeah, I think Canning's a really good one here, and I really like watching him pitch too. It's always seemed like uh, when I've kind of rostered him in the past and tuned into his games that he's always on like the cusp and you know, super uh, subjective, but there are a lot of games I watched of him where I was just like, man, that's unlucky. Like uh, two out run that start tacking on runs to it, to his outing and everything. So I've seen him dialed in and when it's all working, he's a really good pitcher to watch. So I like canning there. Uh, Moving to another name from years past, Jose Barrios, who's having a little Renaissance here after the nightmare of, of Barrios last year. Uh, it looks okay on the surface uh, for the season line. 71 in the third pitched, 68 strikeouts, so just under a strikeout per inning. A 366 ERA, a 125 whip. It feels like Barrios of old mm-hmm. and kind of ho-hum in that way. But in the past month especially, it's looked really good. Uh, the K's not quite there, just 27 strikeouts and 31 innings. But a 203 ERA. The 126 whip, not as good, uh, but in the mix there were the Yankees, the Rays, uh, he faced the Braves before that, so he's another guy who's had some tough opponents, and yeah, in terms of pitch mix, this is one of the biggest skyrockets you'll see on the line chart, where what they classify as the slurve on Savant has climbed up from 26% usage last year all the way up to 47%, um, and you know, kind of making way there was his four seamer and his changeup that both came down a bit. Um, but yeah, this this slurve or, or curveball is how it is on pitcher list. Uh, you know, in the whole Blake Snell br- blueprint of fastballs up and breaking stuff down, it's 80, 80th percentile on low lock, which is that low location mm-hmm. on the curveball. So he's definitely feeling that pitch and locating it really well. So yeah, I mean, Barrios here. Obviously, he's pretty rostered, Steve, but are we buying this as as kind of a return to that SP4 territory uh, for Jose Barrios? Yeah, I think this is classic Barrios. He's back to like what he was in 2018-19, which 
you know, maybe is a bit underwhelming, but still a really useful fantasy pitcher. Like just under a strikeout per inning, um, an ERA in the mid to high threes, um, a, a decent enough whip. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's a good team. Um, the ballpark isn't great, but, um, you know, it seems like he's able to get around that. Like, I feel like there's always... The, Right, like Berrios has always been this guy. It's like, oh, he's made this season in. He made this adjustment in season after like a horrible April, and then is really good for the rest of the year. Um, that's kind of what happened here, right? Like, remember the first two starts? I was incorrectly was was someone moving on from him after those first two starts after how horrible um, last year was. So he basically, essentially, never made that adjustment that we were hoping for in twenty twenty two. He was able to do it this year, um, and then. Uh, you know, uh, has really become a useful pitcher, right? Like I think in 2021, like he was pretty bad and then was traded to the Blue Jays and and, and, and was good from there on. Um, we kind of was were waiting for that all to happen last year. It never did. I think that's why I didn't have the patience that I should have earlier in the season for Barrios. But um, it looks good, um, you know, whenever he can throw that fastball less, that's, you know, now it's the slurve that's doing all the work. Um so it, 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 it's impressive to see, like, you, you know, in, in 2019, it was about, you know, throwing the fastball more, um, you know, maybe he had a, a bit more velocity on it back then. Um, but now it's, you know, the slur that sort of has taken off and, and, and replaced that fastball. It's a good pitch. So you, you like to see it and, I, I think it's a good trade target, right? Like it's it's someone that people might be willing to give up on, but I think it's a, a serviceable guy for the rest of the year. Um, not going to be like a league winner or, any, or anything, but definitely someone who's worthy of a 3-4 spot in your rotation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been a, an issue in the past, like starting slow at uh, – the shortened season in 2020 was another one where it was like a seven ERA in that first month. And then he kind of came back down to what you expect on like high threes. So uh, yeah, I think Barrios is a good one. That said, there might be even more of a buying window because as you guys are listening to this, he gets the Astros uh, at Rogers center on Thursday night. So we'll have to see how that one goes, but yeah, I mean the, the walk rate still looks good, um, which is, you know, what, you're hoping for just kind of high floor with Barrios when it was old, good Barrios. And it looks like the K's have climbed up enough to where it, it you know, when he, when it's all clicking, it's kind of vintage high floor Jose Barrios, which, you know, you could use. So moving on, uh, JP France is, you know, with the Astros. And I think there's not that much excitement with France. I, I've heard a, a lot of people kind of saying, oh, I'm not really buying it. And he's looked like a different pitcher in different games. Some days it's the ratios, some days it's the strikeouts. Uh, but he swapped out the cutter and curveball this season for the slider and changeup a bit more, and it's led to some some success. So, Steve, talk to me about JP France, kind of what you're seeing in recent starts, uh, and if you think that this is a nice little breakout, because obviously uh, exposure to that rotation in Houston is is always great for wins and and the run support there. Yeah, I think it's a, a mini breakout and maybe someone who's um, a team streamer or, you know, could be a, a, an SP5 or something like that. 
um, especially in Houston, right? Like um, he started throwing the slider and the um, and the changeup more, and those are his two uh, best pitches by whiffs as they get um, 33 and 39% uh, whiffs um, respectively. So um, with the fastball, that's good enough. He throws at 93.6, so close to 94. So it's nothing great. It's not like an amazing fastball or anything. But um, if there's any team that's going to get the most out of a, a pitcher that has um, that many whiffs on two of his pitches, it's going to be the Astros. And, yeah, it, it, there, there's been some middling starts in there. Um, you know, there was an 8K game where I think he gave up like four or five runs. Um, but in the last five starts, 27 strikeouts, just eight walks and 29 innings pitched. Um, there's been some, you know, bad luck in there, but there's also been some, some really good starts there. I think he won like seven shutout uh, innings the last time he pitched. So a um, bit of a deeper, deeper league play, but uh, someone to keep an eye on that, you know, might be a guy that you hold on after you stream him for a little bit. Yeah, I got to call out that, that Nick Pollock is a fan of both of the last two names we've talked about with J.P. France and Jose Barrios. They're right next to each other on the list with France at 55 and Barrios at 56. Uh, Steve, if you had the choice between the two, who are you liking? There is a big divide on the roster ship with France at 27% rostered and Jose Barrios at 75% rostered. So a little name value going on there. I would probably go Barrios, but... I think it's closer than you would think. Yeah. No, that's fair. I think, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, some of the names behind them even are a guy like Andrew Abbott, uh, who that that's a good one. I mean, man, I, like I was hoping for a little bit more strikeouts, honestly, uh, against the Brewers, but you can't really complain too much with that from Abbott. But uh, which, which do you like there? I know they're different players <sighs> with kind of the floor and ceiling, but. What are your, what are your yeah, thoughts Yeah, it's a, a tough home park for Abbott, too. Like, mm-hmm. I know Houston has the Crawford boxes, but um, that's more for, for righties, right? And France is a righty, too, I think. Um, so not as much of a problem there. Um, but other than those Crawford boxes, it's more hitter neutral than I think the reputation is there for Houston. The, the 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 appeal of Abbott and the strikeout upside it, it's just so strange with Abbott because you know he had the he had the um, the tack ball in Double A right uh, and the insane strikeout rates and the strikeouts are still good in Triple A but not as good yeah like twelve per nine instead <sighs> of fifteen per nine yeah and, and and you know it's more of a deceptive lefty than like an overpowering can't hit hit, hit 100 mile an hour fastball with Abbott. I still like Abbott a lot. Um, that's tough. I, I think I would that would lean Abbott just because of the strikeout upside. But I still like France a lot. Like France is probably safer. Yeah, definitely. It's a floor ceiling. Yeah. Uh, kind of preference. Uh, but yeah, I, I. This is really tough looking at those three. I think I might actually go Abbott France. Barrios on on the three piece there just because I yeah I think Francis flashed the K rates uh, and he also has that deep arsenal and maybe I'm just kind of you know falling victim to like the vanilla Barrios that we've known and you know it's a little bit oatmeal-y but yeah I think uh, 
those three, it's 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 an interesting pack. We probably like all three, but um, yeah, France is under rostered. I think is a big takeaway when you look at Abbott's yeah. rostered in fifty percent of leagues. Barrio seventy five. Uh, it's shocking that an Astros pitcher could be slept on like this, but I think JP France is definitely under rostered. So uh, we will move to our final names here for the pitch mix changers, but we're going to take our next ad break. We'll be right back. Okay, so Steve, spoiler alert, I saved Logan Webb for last because he's pitching tonight, so I wanted to see what was going on at Coors as much as we could. This one is the deepest of deep because Ryan Nelson of the D-backs, uh, this this was a guy that I think was kind of a trendy uh, deep sleeper pick. And yeah, it, I, I liked yeah. him in our Dynasty League. I, I think I drafted the wrong Ryan Nelson on the Diamondbacks Uh Originally, uh, I think I drafted the reliever instead of R Y N E Nelson. So, make sure you pay attention to that uh, on your waiver wire. <laughs> yeah, that is that's the R Y N E. I think of the old Jim Rome soundbite where a caller yeah. called in was like, "It's not Ryan, it's Ryan." Uh, and I I want to say that this is the same situation as that. But yeah, uh, Nelson on the season it, it does not look pretty at all 61 innings just 37 strikeouts a 540 ERA and a 149 whip so you know what's what's even remotely the interest and yeah it's it hasn't looked great but there have been fleeting moments where you know on his game log he he actually did what he was supposed to do at Oakland with six strikeouts uh, a shutout a sub 1 ERA a few starts ago he looked good at Philadelphia uh, he at least survived the Braves, even though he had no strikeouts. But overall, just more than anything, this is a pitch mix note. Another one that was from Lance Bro- uh, Lance Broskowski, uh, that after his first three starts in May, he was basically at 14% cutter, 10% sweeper usage. And in his two most recent ones, that flip-flopped to where not only did he favor the sweeper more than the cutter, but it's 25% usage on the sweeper, 3% on the cutter. So that's the type of shift in the line chart where you're like, whoa, this is clearly an intentional move that he's making. And what's kind of eye-catching about it is the sweeper has uh, a really be- a way better score on the Stuff Plus model than the cutter does. He gets the Tigers next, and I think that's a, a start to just watch. This is probably more for like deep NFBC leagues. But if the results look really good against the Tigers and he continues to throw that sweeper a lot, I'll, he'll at least have my attention. I mean, this is, is definitely a Hail Mary one, but compared to the rest of these where kind of success is already tracked, this one is a little bit more of a... It could happen next, and it wouldn't be shocking given how he's kind of tinkering. So uh, not sure if there's anything to add there, Steve. But, yeah, Ryan Nelson, it, it's not the season that we were kind of hoping for from the get-go, but there's been some some moments of looking okay, and now this is a pretty significant change. Scheduled to face Detroit on Sunday, um, the ninth coming up here. So if there's ever going to be a time to – you know, have blind faith and, and jump in and do it. Um, now's that time. So, yeah, I mean, the Stuff Plus models love Nelson. They, they've they loved a guy like Clark Schmidt, who I think we, we're going to talk about it, is another great example of a pitch mix changer that's led to some more success. Um, and, you know, if, if you trust those things, like, these guys will eventually figure it out. Like, their stuff is good. 
that's that's a head start. Um, you know, it doesn't always lead to automatic success like we've seen with Nelson Schmidt and other guys. But um, I bet on those guys with stuff more often than not. So I like it. The fact that he's he's tinkering and trying to to find the right mix is an encouraging sign, and I would definitely stream him this weekend versus Detroit. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a really good one of just add him if you need the volume stats, and if it looks good, maybe give him one more start, see what happens. Uh, moving on to the last one, this is a, a pretty stark jump from Ryan Nelson all the way up to Logan Webb, who has been incredible this year. Uh, you know, the season line looks amazing. Pretty much a strikeout per inning, uh, a 285 ERA, a 104 whip, but it's looked even better in the past month with the strikeout per inning, a 159 ERA, and a .94 whip. And reason we kind of called out Logan Webb on this one is he's another guy that's that's doing quite a bit of uh, pitch mix changing with the change up. Uh, in April, he used the change up 29% of the time. In May bumped it up to 38% of the time, and in his most recent start in June, a 46% usage of the changeup for Logan Webb. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is something tonight he's going in Coors, and it looks like he Coors is getting to him a little bit. Uh, he's giving up, bit, I think, yeah, yeah giving up maybe three earned on that one. So, uh, you know, maybe there's a trade target opportunity here. I know we've talked about Logan Webb on recent uh, shows I think it was K minus BB, mm-hmm. but great great trade target and um, love to see that he, he's taking a really good pitch and continuing to use it more and more. Uh, but your thoughts, Steve, on uh, Logan Webb? Yeah, Logan Webb is like perennially underrated in, in my mind. Like I, I, I don't know, maybe sometimes the strikeout numbers aren't there. What was it two last year or 2020? That was like a a five ERA where we were supposed to break out and, and didn't really put it all together. But since then, I mean, it's been ERAs in the low threes and twos, like high twos. Like this guy is like this basically a, a as close to an SP one as you can get. Maybe not an SP one like a one A, but he's really good and I think a a, a bit underrated. Um, and you know he's getting he's getting the strikeouts this year. He's had a strikeout per inning like that was sort of the the knock on him last year. He only had 163, 163 strikeouts, one hundred ninety two innings last year. But um, he's bumped that up, and I, I don't think it's any coincidence that he's been throwing his best pitch more often than that changeup. Um, uh, a thirty one point eight percent whiff percentage on that changeup. Um, yeah, you, you love to see that. A two hundred five batting average against like. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, and I know sometimes that like hard hit rate and, and some of those things we say are like out of the pitcher's control. Mm-hmm. But one thing of note with Logan Webb, and I think he was one of the first people, first guys we talked about on the show, Steve, is he's he's another one that was very much a poster boy of the seam shifted wake, mm-hmm. where he gets that deceptive movement on the changeup specifically, as well as the sinker. And yeah, when I see like a 205 batting average against, that's the type of thing where like I, I'm I'm looking past a low BABIP on a pitch like that because of the fact that it, it's you know been outlined as kind of a deceptive seam shifted wake type of pitch. So yeah, I think Logan Webb, if there's any sort of discount from this uh, Rocky 
outing, no pun intended. <laughs> I think this is a really, really good trade target. Um, and when you look at like his overall season numbers, his, his record is four and six. So uh, wins, losses haven't really been in his favor as well. So yeah, I think uh, Webb, it, it would be a tough one to kind of wrestle away from a manager, but definitely a, a, a big time buy and, and love what he's doing with the changeup usage too. So uh, I think that rounds us out here, Steve, unless there was anybody else uh, you wanted to hit on. But it's a, it's a little bit shorter of a rundown when we're just kind of isolating some specifics on on pitch mix. No, I like it. Focus more on a few a few sh- um, a, a shorter list, but uh, did some nice deep dives, and I think uh, yeah, people are looking for pitching um, in the run environment this year. So uh, hopefully we we highlight some trade targets, pickups, and some guys that can go on on, on runs here. Yeah, I think of the list. Um, you know, Griffin Canning is probably the one that jumps out the most as, as actionable. Somebody that's definitely under rostered. Uh, I think JP France, if you're in a, a 12 teamer and he's just sitting out on the wire, I think that's another one that really needs to be scooped up. And then, yeah, beyond that, some trade targets for sure with that, that group of, uh, you know, Barrios. Uh, we talked about Webb as well. And Mitch Keller is, a, is another really good one who's kind of, slipped a little bit um and, and the manager might be ready to to move on so uh yeah man i think that that rounds us out i just in general since we got a little time at the end here steve uh how the league's going i mean are you you holding tough on on the home league and yeah any, home, any highlights and home the... league going well in second place um they have a have a good year there um battling in a lot of my my industry leagues um uh, Hanging around like fourth or fifth in uh, turf, and then the the on the wire listener league, um, Raz Slam like you know in, in eighth, but you know should could could be better there, um, like middling in TGFBI just in, in, in the middle there, um, but you know um, it's it's still early like you know uh, write down like the you know take a look at the leaderboards and standings now. Uh, and then go back in September and see, you know, it'd, it'd be impressive if, if the teams hold on that are in first right now. Like, there's still uh, a, a long way to go. Um, our dynasty squad's not doing too bad either, which after after a rocky start, or, or a good start, then like a rocky May, and now we're, uh-huh. uh, we're definitely in buy-now buy mode and win-now mode in that league, which is, which is fun. And, uh, a first-year dynasty league, that's, uh, that's always fun. Oh, yeah, it's great. We're fourth in that one. I'm fourth in my home league. Uh, now, hopefully, I can hold on because in Raz Slam, I'm making noise. Yeah, so oh, Steve, yeah, yeah. Since I'm on the humble brag, 14th in the overall on Raz Slam right now, if I finish top 10 at the end of the season, are you willing to give me a board bet to, to draw even since I'm going to I'm gonna owe you some WAF merchandise for this Juan Soto absolutely. Uh, bonehead Absol- thing? Okay, absolutely. so if I finish top 10, we're going to trade some WAF merchandise absolutely. for one another. Okay. Love it. That's great. No, that's a that's, uh, fun outro. We'll have to mark these down so we don't lose track of them. But, uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. As always, uh, we are going to be back next Thursday, every Thursday throughout the rest of the season. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. And Steve is at Stav8818. 
That signs us off for episode 103. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Later.